0: Good evening everyone, welcome to Family Matters again for this week. Um, Tonight we have uh, some special guests, Nathan and Susanna Lewis, and they're going to be talking to us about their experiences of uh, multiple pregnancies and miscarriage. Uh, So it's a very, um, really heartfelt subject tonight really, and a very encouraging one in the way that they've grown through it, and they have they have seen how God has been working in their lives and have been able to accept that that accept God's work in their lives. Um, miscarriage affects more families than we realise, and all too often those going through it feel like that they that they need to either hold it all together or suffer through it silently and grieve alone, without being able to share the pain with anyone or even a spouse. So Nathan and Susanna's inspiring story tonight. It's going to help us understand how to support each other and to to bridge those intense feelings of separation and to accept god's work in our lives to grieve to rebuild and to trust in god and uh so welcome nathan and susanna
1: thank really you, good to have you
0: with us. thank you good to be here just before we start <laughs> i wanted to do a bible reading um and this one comes from proverbs chapter 3 verses 5 and 6, and I think this really summarises what we talked about the other night, Um, and it says this Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will make your paths straight. So with that introduction um, yeah, so Welcome to welcome welcome to Family Matters tonight. And uh, tell us uh, do you know how, how common how common is it for uh, miscarriage to happen in a, in a pregnancy? a Is that the right way of saying it?
1: Um I don't really know the official stats. We could probably look it up quite easily mm-hmm. and find find the information. Um I feel like I've read somewhere that it's like one in four pregnancies, um, but I might have that wrong.
2: Yeah, I don't know. It might be more like one in four people who have had mm. families have experienced a miscarriage. Um, I think, <clears throat> like we were saying the other night, um, Robert, it's it's the more you are prepared to talk about it, the more you um, realize so many people have experienced this Um, not just inside the truth but um, you know just out there in normal everyday experiences um, so many people have tragic stories lurking in their past which they've never been able to share or um, get out and heal from or recover from it's like and it it eats them out from the inside you know um, sometimes so I think this is a very real subject, a very poignant subject, and a subject which is maybe more widespread than we'd imagine because we just don't talk about it.
0: Mm. Yeah.
3: yeah. I, I imagine that mm. it's it's easy not well, it it's harder to talk about it because often it happens before people even know you're pregnant. So therefore that would make it harder to um to be able to say to say anything about it once it's once it's already already occurred.
0: Yeah, and That
1: was this, your experience, wasn't it? Yeah, I mean, we were pretty, um, well, we were pretty cute, really, weren't we, back in the day? Um, <laughs> like, early marriage is just full of excitement. Yeah, we're still totally cute. But um, just early marriage and you're just excited and, you know, you don't know what the future holds. Um, and our first we, – we, we'd been married for, I think, two years when um, we sort of decided that we were going to have babies, um, made that big decision because we were busy on a youth conference committee and we wanted to wait till the conference was over before, you know, having children, um, thinking we had all that control at the time. Um, so, yeah, we, we basically stopped um, contraception mm-hmm. and um, got pregnant pretty much within the first half week. It was the, f- you know, first pop. Um, so exciting and um, we, I think we had, um, I, was, I, was cr- I was pretty crook, you know, those first few weeks, you can feel a bit sick, um, but I did okay, I was, wor- I was actually working uh, for a brother in the Ecclesia at the time, Uncle Paul Vogel, um, and I was just working part-time, and I just, I just managed to get through, it was just, you know, it was just those early days, and then um, we had family coming to town, I can't remember who it was, Coming to town, it might have been the mum, and we decided to wait until she came to town to let people know, and that was going to be about 14 or 15 weeks. So, and that was easy because it's your first pregnancy, so you you don't really show and you just kind of push on through. So, about a week before that, like um, the the symptoms the symptoms of feeling sick went away, and I thought, oh, this is great, the first trimester's over, like I'm 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 out of that. That sick feeling, and it's it's going to be all go from here. And um, I had a week of no symptoms, and then um, that was when that that night happened, where I went into what was probably an early labour uh, in the in the in the late evening. Mm.
3: So what was what was um, you you. you... You told us you had a visitor in the house. Tell us what what, what, what this happened? was looking like. What was happening?
1: Yeah, so um, we had a brother, a young single brother, staying with us at the time. As I said, we were newlyweds. We'd been married for a couple of years. And um, he was staying in the guest room, and he was flying out the next morning. It was like a one night. He'd been travelling New Zealand, and he was staying with us for a night, that one night. And... Um, yeah, as I said, we hadn't told anyone, so he didn't know that we were expecting, and um, nobody else did. So, yeah, it was about 10, 10 o'clock at night or so, <clears> and um, I started to get some pretty intense pains and went into kind of um, labour-like contractions, which I didn't really know that's what they were at the time, because I hadn't had any children, so it was quite an uncertain thing. Um, I just remember sort of saying to Nathan, oh, I just don't feel that well, um, things aren't things aren't looking that great. Um, so, yeah, Nathan sort of, we went to bed early-ish and um, I laboured throughout the night without really knowing what was happening, sort of on and off. <clears throat> and um, then in the morning, I got did get a bit of sleep and then in the morning, um, Nathan said, look, I don't really know what to do. And um, he did, did, he did you, know to, by,
3: did you know by this point that um, you were on the point of miscarrying
1: the baby? Yeah, yeah, yeah it was pretty obvious that, that whatever was happening wasn't great there was, I was bleeding and um having a lot of pain, so it was quite intense mm. it was it was like a, it was definitely a mini labor like now that I've had children, I know that that's what it was, yeah, whereas at the time I wouldn't have been able to tell you that um, yeah, so in the morning it was it was it was ramping up actually um and getting more intense in the morning when we woke up, so um Nathan went out to our guest and um let him know that I wasn't feeling well. And I just stayed in the room, and then he he came. I mean, he's coming, going. I think he sort of came in a few times. said, What do I
2: do? I don't mm. know what to do. Yeah, well, I think um, when we can talk about this a little bit more in a few minutes, but I think um, there's a huge difference between how the male and the female react to this kind of a problem and uh, mm-hmm. this situation. And Suze is like going into um, you know emotional overdrive as well as physical um, you know labour and her whole body and mind and soul and spirit is in complete turmoil, and, you know, all her expectations are dashed, and it's awful, you know, and um, and as a husband, the first time, you know, you're like, uh, not that I was a whole lot better the second and third time either, but the first time you're like, I have no idea what is happening and what to do, you know, I can't do anything, I can't stop it from happening, I'm kind of really 100% powerless um, to do anything to help. Mm. Um, you know, you can ring the doctor, they're just gonna tell you what you already know. So, <clears throat> um, you know, I, I I, was kind of thinking, what, what can I do to help? You know, I'd pop in and see her, go back down and get breakfast, you know, kind of just make sure this guest was okay. And in the end, I decided the best thing to do, believe it or not, was to take this young brother out for breakfast, right? out to brunch, I'll, I'll shout, out
1: of the house. let's go yeah. out,
2: you know, like, we'll just leave Suze, we won't, we'll just say she's not feeling well, and uh, so we went out for brunch, I'm sitting there, you know, I'm having eggs benedict, and I'm like, okay, this is a very <laughs> surreal experience, um, <laughs> you know, but I think it highlights the fact that um, <clears throat> as as the male, or as the husband, it's hard to know exactly what to do, mm-hmm. especially when it's the first time, you know, Um, so I'm not, I'm certainly not saying that was the right thing to do, Um, so I took him out for for brunch, I I suppose I was trying to protect Suze from him knowing, because he was, he wasn't married, you know, he didn't have any idea, I didn't even really have any idea, so I'm like, let's just get him out, get him off to the airport, and then I can come back and sort of be here, and, you know, mop up the mess, so to speak, in every sense, Um, so I think, it highlights the fact for me looking back that there is a huge discrepancy with how we as men deal with this emotional distress and how the women do. And I think that um, when a woman conceives in that moment, she becomes a mother. And even if you don't carry the baby to full term, and even if you lose it at a few weeks. You feel and experience that loss bodily and emotionally. You feel like something has died inside you and you feel like um, you know, one of your children has died, even though you don't know who it is or it's just maybe a few inches long. Whereas for the man, it doesn't affect us bodily. It's not happening inside us. And we almost don't become dads until the baby's born and then we hold it in our arms and we feel like that. the moment of birth is when we become a father you know, whereas the moment of conception is when the mother becomes a mother. And that difference in time is huge because she's just going through all this emotional loss and I'm kind of feeling a little bit disconnected. Um, And we didn't really talk about that um, so much. So I think that uh, it was a source of separation and distance between us because she felt like I was just uncaring and I didn't enter into the emotions, and I I was sort of like just, you know, um, blocking off the emotions, and as a man, we kind of look for the solutions, you know, and we kind of look for the objective opinion, and we start thinking to ourselves, like for myself, this is just my own experience, within a few minutes, I'm thinking, well, this is God's will, like that's logic to me, and that's like basic logic it has to be God's will if it's happening it must be for the best even though I can't understand it now therefore if it is God's will and it is there for good it must be because the baby's not forming right and this is his mercy and his goodness to get rid of the baby now while there's a you know if there is a problem this is like how he's working and we don't know but our job is not to question why it's just to kind of accept and be thankful that it's happening now rather than later where it could be even more traumatic, right? So you're thinking it's all in God's hands and you're making that leap to a sort of objective solution very quickly, you know, whereas the woman in my experience does not make that leap maybe for years. You know, sometimes it takes their whole life before they can see that that might've been a good thing or it might've been God's mercy or his kindness you know, especially if you end up having subsequent children, which some people don't. If you do, you can see it as a good thing, perhaps a little easier. But that, uh, you know, we're very quick to be objective and look for a solution. And so there's a big discrepancy in how we deal with this situation. So
0: yeah. So how is this affecting you, Susie?
1: Yeah, I think... Um... I think that first miscarriage was pretty, was pretty tough, you know, because it was right on the eve of letting everybody know, and um, I also, I think, uh, generally speaking, I'm a pretty positive person, so I remember Nathan saying to me, it's going to be fine, everything's going to be fine, I thought, oh yeah, okay, it's going to be fine, and just sort of um, swallowing that at the time and saying to myself, actually, you're going to be fine, pick yourself up, dust yourself off, get on with life, it's going to be fine, and, um, probably the error in that for me was that I didn't really take the time out to grieve, like I should, like I really, in hindsight, needed to. Um, and it was f- fine in the sense that um, the next time we, you know, we tried tried to get pregnant, which was very soon after that, um, you know, we were pregnant again within within weeks. And, um, that, and then the hope started all over, you know. Um, and that second time we uh, were booked to go on a weekend to Sydney to visit my sister and brother-in-law in Sydney, which was pretty exciting. Nathan was going over there for a work conference and um, I, I lost the baby um, either the day before we went or the day we left or some, something some, something along those lines. Um, how many weeks
3: were you with that one?
1: So the first one was about 14 weeks and the second one was just around 12 weeks.
3: Right. Yeah,
1: mm. so right around that time we are getting pretty excited that you're going to be able to let everybody know. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah. nobody knew, mm.
3: knew that you were pregnant second time round either?
1: Second time round, um, nobody knew, I don't think. Um, no, because you're pretty nervous about letting people know. <clears throat> I did let yeah. um, Michelle know when I got to Sydney that... Um, that that was what was happening, because I was just not, I was, just felt like I wasn't really there, didn't, you know, I just couldn't focus on anything, um, so that was good, I was able to, um, have her support for the weekend, at least, yeah, right, Yeah. yeah, yeah, um,
3: so had, did you let anybody know afterwards with the first one round, first one, or no?
1: No, we didn't. You no, know, I think we talked a little bit about that the other night. Mm-hmm. I was saying like I, I had this sort of weird feeling like I just wanted it all to be perfect. You know, you sort of have that vision when you pre pre your early marriage and think, oh, it's just going to be perfect. Well, I did anyway. Everything's going to be great, you know, and it is great. But God makes that greatness in different ways to what we imagine, you know. Mm-hmm. So I, my vision of great was like just get married, and two years later you have your baby, and then you have another baby, and everything's just just works out perfect, you know. And they're yeah. all clean and tidy and they, you know, sit up nicely. Yeah, they the don't cry and... or
0: anything, yeah. <laughs> no, I know.
1: It's all, and they sleep through the night and it's all good. Oh, um, yeah. So I thought, well, if I don't tell anyone it's not perfect, then maybe I can just sort of pretend that it is. And that's really where I was. That's I, I talk a little bit about that in in the article is about the, fa- the facade that we put on um, when we're not feeling that great, you know. Mm. Mm -hmm. and we pretend like we are to keep ourselves safe, and that's what I did for many years, yeah.
3: So just a point of contrast, did you find it slightly easier to cope with, like, Michelle knowing with the second pregnancy and miscarriage that this was happening? Did you find that slightly easier just having somebody else there to give you a hug and to give that bit of support?
1: Yeah, probably, definitely on the weekend, yeah um but she was in Sydney, so I mean I flew home, and she stayed there and right you know i I didn't go any further than that I don't think yeah um but yeah on that weekend'cause it was I was pretty dazed out and you you know I was exhausted um physically and emotionally and spiritually so i I think on the weekend it was it was very good um but I, I didn't allow myself to really um, probably connect on a deeper level because I was, um,
0: yeah, just too upset. Mm. Yeah. Now, you wrote an article for uh, Wilderness Voice mm. and you called it, well, we've actually used the same title, uh, Miscarriage the Bitter and the Sweet. Mm. And in that article, I, I've put, I've put the, um, the stuff up on the chat box. And I'll put it up again a bit later. But um in that article you talked about this that your, your miscarriage giving you a lot of separation, separation from God, separation from people, and putting on a putting on a face. Tell us about that.
1: Yeah, so I think a lot of that has for me had to do with expectations. I think I'd sort of just touched on that a little bit. Um you know, I entered into getting married. Um, Nathan was my knight in shining armor. He's gonna save me from everything, all my troubles and woes. Um <laughs> and and you know, by God's grace it's it's worked out even better than that. So that's good. <laughs> that's another that's another family matters. Oh, we're
0: out of time. Oh, out of time.
1: Um no, I think expectations is the real key to that because I had really high expectations on life, I did, I really did, and, um, and on marriage and on family life and, um, you know, I'd come from a broken home and I thought my home's not going to be broken, you know, my home's going to be perfect and I'm going to make sure of it and I'm going to do everything I can and and then, like, I think that whole control thing was there, like, I want to control it and make it all just tidy and tucked in and neat and lovely. And when it wasn't, it was like, oh, okay, I'll just sort of pretend that it's not. And the more I pretend and the more I cover up and the more I don't really be authentic and show people who I really am and what I'm going through, the more I have to hide. So I become more and more hidden and I put on more and more of a facade out the front while the back's just crumbling away. And actually, you know, with God and with my brothers and sisters, I all of a sudden find myself in a place where, in with Nathan, like there's no spiritual connection. It's very shallow. And it's all because of the silly, not silly, um, this intense trial that um, I'm not dealing with in a very spiritual way. I'm, I'm turning away from God.
3: How did it affect your faith?
1: Yeah, I think, I I mean, I've never lost faith, but I have, I have, my faith has weakened through it, wondering, um, you know, I just thought motherhood was my calling, like, like, I've got six sisters, and, you know, they all had babies, and it was like, they had babies even when they didn't want to have babies, it was having babies, and I was like, I can't have babies, they're all having babies, you know, and what's the deal with that, you know, so there's lots of questions, and lots of questioning, and um, you know, there's teenage pregnancies out there who are on drugs and and their life's messed up and that and they're pregnant and they've gotten they're having this baby and they don't even want it, so to speak. And then there's this lovely couple who love God and and we can't have a baby. We're not able to have a baby. We've gotten pregnant so many times and not actually been able to have the baby. So it's just you know you just start thinking, overthinking wondering, asking lots of questions, and wanting to know why. And I think that was a big part of it for me was giving up. Giving up really needing to know why, and realising actually God is good, and what God does is good. And he's shaping shaping me, and I'm Susanna, and this is Nathan, and he's shaping us to be someone for his kingdom. Um, And this is a part of our journey, and, and we don't know why yet. But I
0: believe one day we will. Yeah. How to defend your faith, Nathan?
2: Well, <clears throat> I think I think our ju- our journey is quite different. You know, um, like I was sort of saying before. You know, I never really had a journey where I doubted and questioned, and then came to a point of acceptance that this was God's will. I kind of was like, yeah, I can see this is God's will right from the start. You like, like I got to that point within like certainly minutes, you know, may have even been faster, you know. It's like that wasn't the problem really for me. The problem was um, that I I didn't really know how to emotionally connect and show the kind of love and compassion and empathy and care that Sue's really needed uh, in that moment. So I think for me, the journey is not so much um, one of, wow, my um, my faith has grown, even though it has, definitely through this experience, because, you know, you've <coughs> experienced this, and then you have, uh, we've been blessed with three healthy children, and, um, uh, you know, you think, wow, we, we really have been blessed, and, and of course your faith grows. But I think it was more almost like a relationship growth that was happening for me, um, where, you know, I kind of, and and even years later, because, you know, I, Sue's kind of, um, if I can just speak for you for a second, I could be wrong, but it feels like she kind of closed down because she didn't feel like I understood. So she sort of like just bottled it in, bottled in the emotions, and then it would happen again, and I just would respond in the same kind of male just kind of not helpful way you know um,
0: yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah like um, like there was one time we had we had uh, maybe how many pregnancies before bundle maybe four four and then we had our first child and then after bundle we had another three before we had uh, number two and then number three and we were in the in the United States and I, I remember one time um you know my brother was over I think and uh we um we were booked to go to Disneyland and Suze is having like a miscarriage like the night before you know
0: oh no
2: nice. you know like looking back it's it's just this is a it's a hard situation but you know my brother's over it's like we're we're booked with a few people to go to Disneyland mm. or Magic Mountain I can't Disneyland. remember which Disneyland, yes, Disneyland. and um, oh, you I know Suze go. is like just you know ha- as you would imagine a woman to be I was and devastated. she's like just devastated mm. and it's like you know I I am kind of torn between what do I do do like I abandon everybody else and, and Disneyland. or and my brother <laughs> or do I abandon Suze you know and like that they kind of don't know like, if they knew, then maybe they'd go, man, stay with, stay with Suze and look after her. We'll go to Disneyland by ourselves and have a great time. And probably I'd be like, oh, do you know what? Thank you so much. That's totally fine. But because they don't, they didn't know and we're not supposed to let them know and we weren't talking about it, I'm kind of feeling stuck in the middle between Suze who's, like, mm. feeling like I don't care and I'm not, you know, empathetic in any way and all these people who are like looking at me going, why are you so weird? Like, you're kind of like, <laughs> we're supposed to be going to Disneyland, and you're like acting really weird. And I'm like, I've got no idea what to do, you know. So mm. even then, after like four or five of them, mm. I'm still not really responding in the right kind of way. And looking back, I think, you know, if if you were to ask me, what would I change about how I responded in that situation, I'd probably be more vulnerable and honest, and say to my brother, or whoever was there, you know, like, and even in that first instance, when we had that young brother to stay, I'd say, listen, uh, listen, this is really weird, but this is what's just happened in the night, I'm not expecting you to understand, because I don't understand either, but I'm going to have to do this, you're going to have to, I'm going to have to call you a cab, and you can go to the airport, you know, and we'd talk later, and he would figure that out later in life, you know, and, and realize the, sort of that that moment was a special moment and he was just in the wrong place at the wrong time and it wasn't his fault and he'd you know he'd probably be like that was cool you know and maybe would actually be closer because we'd had that experience but but you know I took him out for brunch and then took him off took him to the airport he's got no idea to this day you know so where there's no there's not even that connection of that intimate difficult moment so I think looking back uh, you know, there's a few things I would do differently, how I'd we handle it, did, but it would be um, kind of connecting better. Yeah.
1: We actually did. I went to Disneyland. I went to Disneyland. Oh, really? Oh, did you? Yes. Wow. Because I wasn't pregnant. I thought, well, at least I can go on the rides. i got to see the bright side <clears throat> of this. So wow. I know. It's a bit silly. Looking back, I'm like, that's <clears throat> a silly thing to do, because this is the whole thing where I wouldn't allow myself to be sad and grief. Yeah. Um, so I, d- I thought, well, I'll just make them I remember you saying well, to Disneyland's like in the ultimate
2: solution, right? It's the world's <laughs> place, place the world. <laughs> I mean that, that's the right place to uh, be to overcome yeah. this problem. But do we, we do we, we all agree with this? We
1: got there. We did get there. I, I had actually miscarried um days before and I was booked in for what's called a DNC at the How hospital. How many weeks
3: had you been with this one?
1: I think I was about ten or eleven weeks. And okay. um I was booked, and it hadn't come away, so I, it was it was there. It was, there was, you could see the baby on the skin, but there was no heartbeat. Um, and I and we'd booked to go to Disneyland, so I just thought, I would, like, do I stay home and feel sorry for myself and lie in bed with a hottie and just feel sad and have any pain? I was like, I, I'll just go. So I went, and I lost it. Halfway through the day, I lost it, and I, I was in, the, in and out of the bathroom because I was obviously bleeding with the loss. Um, and trying to go on these rides, and it was silly. It was just silly. It was see, I was just, it was a silly decision. And I, we did actually end up telling um, our the people we were with, we did, in the end, because we 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 had the to. The girls. Yeah, and in your brother. The mm-hmm. girl. Right. Yeah, because he was there for the um the time yeah. the following week. Um, but we struggled. Our problem was we struggled with being open and honest and making ourselves vulnerable. So here we are today. Wow. It's a big overcoming thing for us because at the time it was like, nah, we're just gonna lock this down and one
0: day it'll all look fine, you know. Yeah. Yeah,
3: mm-hmm.
0: yeah. So you've mentioned a couple of a few times you didn't allow yourself to grieve. What do you mm. think grief looks like? If you you know, if you did allow yeah. yourself to grieve, or or you know, if someone was going through this, you know, someone someone's listening now. There are 40 people online. If one in four women are having have a, a miscarriage, how would you? What would you say to them to help them grieve?
1: Yeah, I mean, I like I said, you've you've heard the stories of me not allowing that, like going to Disneyland on the day. I mean, whatever you can choose to do, whatever you want. I just that was my choice. And when I looked back, I felt sad that I did that. I felt sad that I didn't ask Nathan to stay home that morning when he went out for brunch I, I, I felt like what why didn't I um, honour the loss because I, I wanted things to be perfect and so um, that was just me everyone will be different some people be like oh I don't want it to be perfect I just want to have a baby I'll just tell everyone what's going on and they'll be really honest and open about it um, but allowing myself to grieve looked like accepting that that was what was happening just accepting it. And accepting it was just the beginning of, of being able to grieve and say, yes, I accept that I've lost another baby. And it, it is a baby, it's pregnancy, but it, it was a baby, you know, it was a potential mm. baby. Um, and, and letting myself cry and, and, and just letting Nathan know, actually, I just feel really sad that, I've, that this has happened and allowing myself to be sad. But a big part of that as well, and coming through that, the next step for me was um, was surrendering that loss and, and and saying, look, I've got no control over this. I can't make the baby stay because I couldn't. You know, T- I was pregnant ten times, and, and seven of those I could I couldn't. There's nothing I could do. No one had any great ideas.
2: Mm. Um, it was all the boys.
1: Yeah, that's yeah, that's one. That's one. One suggestion, um, <clears throat> what do they call it, um, popularity, po- population control. <laughs> um, no, accepting it and surrendering it to God and just saying to God, actually, God, you you have control over this. And, you know, you read the scripture, um, which is the other part of it, which is prayer and meditation. You read the scripture that says that God has power over life and death. You know, Yahweh giveth. You know I take it away. Blessed be the name of Yahweh. Blessed be the name of the Lord. and in um, Hannah's prayer, where you know she speaks of him having power over over life and death. and these these things are, I mean, this is a long journey. this is not a five minute thing. you know, this is ten years of um, getting pregnant and losing babies. so, you wouldn't expect anyone to sort of wake up one morning and go, "Oh, hey, okay, I'm going to trust the Lord, but this is what God has done for us. God has done this." Um, yeah. So for me, that that's been my grief process is is allowing myself to feel this, feel that sadness, and actually saying to myself, Susanna, this is something that you should actually be okay feeling sad about." And and a part of that has been connecting with other um, women. Um, sisters in Christ who as well who have, have had losses and um, I think I said to you the other night that this whole thing came about for me because I was at a, I'm a homeschooling mum by God's grace and I was at a homeschooling conference and I was just chatting with this French lady who's in New Zealand for a short period of time and she was sharing with me about how her friend had just had a miscarriage and she just didn't know how to support her and I just looked at her and I thought I can't believe you just said that you know, and I just thought, this is my time to shine, you know, so to speak, and probably didn't think that, but it's just, and she, and I just said, well, I've actually had been pregnant 10 times, and I only have three children, I've lost seven babies, and I I can tell you what might be, you know, I can give you my story, and I shared with her all my story, got to the end of it, and she said those odd words, which were, thank you for sharing your, um, testimony of faith and I just kind of looked at her and I thought yeah this is my testimony of faith yeah and I I hadn't given it the words before you know before it was just a sad story um that you know was sort of like a three out of ten you know Mm. yeah that's pretty low rating isn't it you know um but it's it's a ten out of ten, you know. It's a ten out of ten because it's it's been life changing and um and and learning to trust God. Anything that brings mm-hmm. you closer to God is just good.
3: It's good. So
1: good. so share with us what facilitated that
3: journey, that process of faith growing again and connecting you back with God,
1: to make it the ten out of ten. Yeah, I mean it's loss for me. It's loss. Uh, it's um. As the saying goes, a dear friend of mine's got the sticker on her fridge and it says, when you're down to nothing, God's up to something. <laughs> and yep. I was down to, I was down to nothing, you know. I, I'd lost four babies and all my friends were having babies and I just felt like a big fat nobody who couldn't do what all women were designed to do. Um, and when you, you know, when you, when you feel like that, there's, there's nothing more you can do. You can't control it. You got you can't control it. It's something you can't control. Mm, and when it's sure. something that you've got no power over, you have to admit, God, I have no power over this. So you, either it's going to make you stronger or, or it's going to turn you away, right? Like anything in life. This is not just miscarriage, isn't it? It's anything in life. That's true. Um,
0: so accepting, really,
1: is the first step. Yeah, 100%. Acceptance yeah. is the key that just unlocks the rest of the journey really
3: um so you told us the other night how you would just um sit down with the bible open and you would just keep reading over verses until it really sunk in and that was a real pivotal turning point
1: yep 100 percent um just l- learning to use the Bible as like m- like my Bible rather than like the Bible. It was always just the Bible and we, you know, we did the Bible readings and we read the Bible at the meeting and, the, you know, it was good. There was great points in the margin, you know. And But when you're down to nothing and God's up to something and you've got your Bible on your knee and you start reading it and verses jump off the page at you, all of a sudden, like never before. I mean, you know, any trial is going to bring have that happen to you if you're reading scripture, um, mm. and it becomes a lot more personal. And there were times where I just opened the Psalms, or or some, you know, main probably mainly the Psalms, which you know, for obvious reasons, are pretty helpful during those difficult times. And just I just read and read and read and keep reading until there was a certain verse, and then that would be my verse. For however long, until I needed to read again. Um, and one verse that I remember made a huge difference, I think it's Psalm 61, you might have to correct me if I'm wrong, um, and it talks about running to the rock, when I am overwhelmed I'll run to the rock that is higher than I am. Um, yep. And I think at times I felt very overwhelmed and, and you know there was a distance between Nathan and I because of that inability to connect and um, yeah, then you realise, oh, I can run to the rock that's higher than I, so that was a verse for a long time that would just be I would just remember it and it would come back and I'd go over and over and over and when the negative thoughts would come in, I'd say no I'd say no, no Susanna and just and go over that, those verses, yep. that's I guess it's prayer and meditation but it's um, not the kind that I imagined in my perfect world when I was a young person oh, yeah. <laughs> So, so
3: yeah. what have Facilitate bringing you both back together, you know, within your marriage, and to be able to communicate and connect again in a way that you could understand each other. What what helped bring that about?
1: Mm. It's just, well, it's a process of time, isn't it? Mm. Time and communication. Mm.
2: I think I think having three children helps enormously. You know. Um, wow, does it? Well, <laughs> I mean. Yeah. Really? Doesn't I, know. Know. Yeah, doesn't I
1: take that back. It doesn't help at all. I take that back. It helps with the pain of miscarriage. <laughs> yeah. Doesn't help, but you with be marriage uh, relationship. No. no, it does. It's 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 really it's been. I think we could probably both speak for ourselves, but for me, it was time and um, being willing to create a vulnerability that wasn't there before. Um, being young married, we I think we both had quite sort of rose coloured spectacles on, and um, God worked in our lives to show us actually it's not like that and you have to you have to get your your hands dirty um so to speak and um and creating a spiritual vulnerability where you're willing to say all right this is really something very intimate and very private and very sore and very you know ouch we're we're hurting so we it's either going to turn us away from each other or we're going to come together and we're going to ask god together learn to pray together um
2: yeah
1: and ask god to to help us together and then yeah. it, that's
2: really what it came yeah i think into. um i think that it's these like really difficult moments in life where um actually you realize that you need each other in and, and actually god has made us different so that we can be there for each other and uh you know, I, I'm having to learn um, that, you know, I need to connect emotionally <clears throat> and spiritually. Otherwise, whatever I do or say or think or act or whatever is kind of irrelevant, you know, yeah. um, and I might have, uh, you know, the wisdom of being able to objective objectively analyse the situation and say, listen, this is the will of God and it's going to be for the best and here's why and and, and and so forth, but if she's not, if she doesn't feel that she's loved and connected with and cared for, there's like zero response, there's zero connectivity. So if she's able to teach me like emotional connection and I can lend some objectivity in amongst her emotional distress, you can have a connection and you can grow in faith and trust So it's like an opportunity to do that when it's really hurting. Um, But you've both got to be prepared to give. And I think, like, initially, um, you know, we we just kind of bounced off each other a little bit and didn't connect. So that's just our story. And and we got maybe better at that because of time and just Mm. growing a bit older and having a little bit more wisdom and a little bit more willingness to you know, reach out to each other, which is all the things, basic things that you're supposed to do as a husband and wife, but we're kind of, you know, maybe God was teaching us um, how to do that through these trials. Mm And that's just the experience of our life. It'll happen to other people differently. Mm But um, I think it's, you know, it's these emotional moments of need that is where you're actually able to form the, the intimacy of a marriage in a special way. And you've got to kind of grasp hold of that and learn from each other. You both got things to give. Like Suze needs to have that objectivity because she's like could be lost, I'm you born. know. So I've yeah. got something I can give and I can bring to the table, but it's worthless if I'm not emotionally connected. So, right. yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
2: so I so it's like you've got it. we've got to just give in to each other. So I don't know. That's There's just definitely so cool.
1: a spiritual um, there's definitely a <clears throat> spiritual aspect to that, um, connecting like that int- intimacy. You know, someone once said, "It's into me you see," and that's on every level. You know, your spiritual, your spiritual level as well. And I think, um, you know, when we were when we were connected spiritually, then the pain and the loss of all those things would feel less than times when we were separated, and then the pain would feel more. You know. Um, through the, the grieving process. Mm. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, that was my experience.
3: What would you say is the sweet? As a sum up, what's, what's the sweet of the situation?
1: Um, for me, I, I, the reason I chose the bitter and the sweet on that particular um, Wilderness Voice article was because of the poem at the end. I don't know if you saw that. It's mm-hmm. my favourite poem. I love that poem. I don't actually have it here, otherwise I'd read it out. Um, I think we have got it. We could probably read it later. Yeah, yeah, I chose that because it's talking about learning to realise that God is in both. He's in the bitter and the sweet. Um, And there's sweet times in life and there's bitter times in life and sometimes one's longer than the other. But God is in both and God is good so that's the reason I chose that, you know, he's there by the desert road and the riverside, and and life will take twists and turns, and, you know, when I held that first baby in my arms, I just, I actually just could not believe it, I just, I actually had not allowed myself to believe it, you know, and then I got this baby in my arms, and it took me a long time to think, this is my baby, like, this is it, I've got one, got one, you know, (laughs) <laughs> and it was just it was just unbelievable it was just cra- it was
2: just crazy So you're saying the bitter made the sweeter the sweet sweeter yeah
1: it did and just to realize God God was he's always all the way through he's there and the sweet for me is I mean it was having a baby but it's not really that in the story it's more um that even like that God will be in both. Whatever it is, God's there. And the God's sweet there. for me is, for me, it's that I have learnt, and I'm, I'm always ever learning, obviously, because no one ever gets this perfectly, but I feel like like my faith, my, I'm converted. God has shown me that he loves me and that he's looking after me, us, my children, all of us, all of his children, all of everyone. He loves us. He wants us in his kingdom,
0: and we can trust him. I can trust him. Yeah,
2: yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I, think, I, think, I think
0: that the the purpose of the journey is to trust, not to get. And I really love that phrase. Yeah, that's that it. was Nathan.
2: Yeah. Well, I think I think I think that's really good, Robert, because um, you know we've we've been blessed with three kids, but other people aren't, and um, you know it's you can feel their pain. Um, uh, but I think you know, in the in the grand scheme of things, the journey that we're on is God conforming us to the image of his son by trials usually. Yeah. And in that process, we learn to trust. So we we're wanting children, you're praying for children, you think you're about to get one and then it's taken away from you multiple times and you're devastated and disappointed and all those things. But the purpose of the journey is not to get children, even though you think it is. The purpose, actually, in the grand yeah. scheme of God's purpose, is that we we learn to love and trust Him, and when we do, actually, we're getting all of the things that we were really wanting um, right from the beginning. You know, so there's a future and a hope. <clears throat> yeah. It's good plans. Yeah. Yeah, that's beautiful. Yeah. And, and that whole the
1: whole
3: lessons you get from it, you you, you know. The miscarriage is your, as you say, your your faith testimony, your testimony of faith. Um, everybody has a different journey, a different mm-hmm. look, um, but we can all come to those same conclusions, no matter what the journey is. Yeah. And it, and it's beautiful to just be able to have that expressed and to be able to see that being born out of <clears throat> this experience, these
0: experiences that you had. One last question just before we finish, (coughs) Mm -hmm. Uh, just just quickly, because we've pretty much run out of time, but what advice would you give for those supporting women who have suffered loss? Mm -hmm. And probably an answer from both of you would be good. I mean, what would you like, Susanna, from, you know, and what would you have liked for support?
1: Yeah. At the time, I didn't really want any because it was just a real hard nut to crack. <laughs> I don't want anyone to know, but I know there's people who do know and I know people who know that I know. Um, and I think acknowledging that it's a loss, um, acknowledging that, you know, there has been a a death. There was life and there is life no longer. That's really important um someone who yeah someone who um, has been pregnant they feel from my experience I'm just gonna speak that's all I can speak for they feel like they're a mum and I use the words in my article about um and I meant it you know that I felt like a mum with empty arms because i I'd, I'd, I on that first pregnancy I had allowed myself to have motherlike emotions and tendencies towards this growing this God given little life and it was there and I can I couldn't, you know, feel that it was there in the early weeks, but I knew it was, you know, seen this seen the scan, so to speak. Mm. Um so acknowledging that it is a loss and, and um I think rather than trying to hurry someone through the grief and say, you know, it's been a long time, like, like why don't you get out and have a good time and let's go to Disneyland sort of thing. Um You know this saying this must be a really difficult thing if you if you you haven't been through it then I Don't understand what you're going through, but actually I I can imagine it must be really hard You must be feeling so sad. This is devastating. This is a difficult thing, you know Um, If you have been through it then share be vulnerable. I I was I wasn't vulnerable in those those early days and um, I think I lost a lot of connection. Like Nathan said, we could have had a really close friend with that brother who stayed with us if we'd shared. And actually, you you, you create this um, opportunity for prayer together, for vulnerability, um, for to be raised onto a different level if you're willing to share. Um, There was uh, something I read. uh, These aren't my thoughts, but I did read it and it really struck me about this. And that was when... um, when someone does have a baby, you know, you celebrate that baby's life every year and you have a birthday party and you invite people over and everyone claps and hooray and you blow out the candles and that's your time to say, yay, I had a baby a year ago or two years ago or five years ago. Or, you know, And you celebrate these milestones. And when it comes to loss, we don't like to do that. We like to go, oh, I had a miscarriage. Okay, I'll just try and get over it as fast as I can. And everyone's thinking, well, hopefully she gets over that soon because it's not that fun sitting around someone who's sad, you know. We don't really like being around people who are sad. We want to celebrate. We want to have a good time. We want to we have birthday cake, not, you know, talk about losses. Um, and we sort of want to say to the person, well, that was a year ago, you know, or well, that was two years ago, well, that was five years ago. You know, my first miscarriage was like 14 or 15 years ago. I still feel, I still feel sad that I lost that baby and those experiences I had. They still bring a sad feeling. Because it was a little piece of me that died that day. And I, you know, that's the truth. And I don't celebrate the date or anything. Some people do I celebrate, you know what I mean, commemorate. Um, so not hurry it along, not, not try and hurry it along. You know, allow them, allow <clears throat> them to remember. You know, re- it's like remembering the dead person. I mean, it's different because you don't have memories of the person who has died. But people who've lost someone they love, they want to talk about them, don't they? They want to remember. They want to hear the stories you've got that you remember. Um, mm. So allowing allowing the person to to say to them, that must be really sad. How are you feeling? Allow them to share. You don't have to have the answers. You don't have to give them your opinion. You don't have to share your thoughts. You can just be a listening ear and a hug
0: and just shh and listen and acknowledge that it's sad. Yeah. Mm. And Nathan, what about you? What advice would you give to your husbands who, are, um, who, who have a
2: wife? I good. Good. Yeah, <laughs> uh, don't go to Disneyland. Yeah. <laughs> I, your oh, it's nice I don't know. I, I, don't yeah. know. I think, um, you know, all I can do is kind of maybe share my experience, you know, with, say, a young brother who's going through that, if I know, and just say, hey, it's really important to connect. Otherwise, just um, Maybe make the time and space so that Sue's can connect, connect with the wife, you know, like because that's probably the best I can do. It's not really my job. I'm not going to be able to connect with her. She's not going no, to want this. No, saying what could what advice could you give to the husband? Oh, to the mm. husband. Yeah, yeah, just what I said before. Just you've got to be there for her, you know. Otherwise, you'll hear about it on family matters in about fourteen or fifteen years.
0: <laughs> <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, that's fantastic. Thank you so much, both of you, for sharing for sharing your, your testimony of faith tonight. Um, it's, been it's, a, it's been really amazing.
3: It's a wonderful journey. And
0: um, just to be
3: able to share that with others because, yeah, there are many that suffer in a very similar way, but not even those that don't have this exact same experience, the same principles absolutely apply because <coughs> what does have a faith testimony that everybody does have the bitter and the sweet
1: yeah
3: so thank you thank you Mm, so much
0: yeah thank you very much yeah it's been amazing